What story is the world not getting? I'm Dr. Adrienne McKeon, AKA the Story Whisperer. As a creation coach, my purpose is to help humans reconnect to themselves, to each other, and to the boundless creative energy that flows through each and every one of us. By releasing our unique perspectives and relatable experiences in the form of inspirational stories, not only do we give the world a precious gift that is ours alone to give, we help them really get our core message and come to a deeper understanding of the universal wisdom within it. Are you ready to reconnect? Good, because that's allowed. Hey everyone, welcome to the That's Allowed podcast. This is your hostess, Dr. Adrienne McKeon, and today I am here with Jenny Harris. Jenny, please introduce yourself. Hi everyone, and first of all, thank you so much for inviting me onto your podcast. It's an absolute honor and privilege to be here. So um, my name is Jenny Harris, and I, as you can probably tell from the accent, I am from England. And uh, where do I start? I'm a former police officer. I was a sergeant for 27 years in policing. Um, I am married with two, I always go to say boys, but they're two men. <laughs> they are my boys. Are, see, I just did it again. My boys yep. are 20 and 22, um, and I absolutely adore them. Um, I currently, I am still in, not a police officer anymore, but I am an investigator. So that's what I do for my full-time job. That's what pays the bills. Um, and then my business is in health and nutrition. So I work mainly and predominantly with women um, and helping them to look good, feel great and show up as the best version of themselves every single day. And as it's October, it's October the 1st. Mm -hmm. uh, so I don't know if it's the same. In the, I'm guessing this is a global uh, awareness, but October is, certainly in the UK, it's Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Mm -hmm. And as we're here and we are getting vulnerable, uh, I'm going to share with you that I am a breast cancer survivor. So um, I am a year and about five months uh, out of treatment. And uh, I am super proud and very happy about that. Congratulations. Thank you. That is wonderful. So there's so much in there that I can't wait to unpack, but I will go ahead and ask you <laughs> the question I always ask. So what's the story you're not telling? Oh, that is a great question. And you know, I've never been asked that question. So <laughs> what's the story that I'm not telling? Oh dear. Okay, so this is going to be a little uncomfortable because I don't often say this out loud. This is something that I do tend to keep to myself. Um, but one of my big goals, I'll start with my big goal and then work back from that. So one of my big goals, um, one of my big life goals is to own and um, run a retreat for women of domestic violence. Mm. And what drives that is that my mom um, was, she's no longer with us, but my mom was a long suffering um, domestic violence sufferer. And I grew up seeing that. So I grew up watching that. 
I grew up, um, I'm my mom's only daughter and her eldest child in the UK. I have an older brother um, that lives in Jamaica. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I grew up with my, myself, I was the eldest of my two younger brothers. And I was the one that was, because back then we didn't have telephones in, in our house. We didn't have one. So you had to go out and use public telephone boxes. And I remember for as long as I can remember um, running from the house um, to the telephone box to call the police um, to help my mum because there was uh, shouting, fighting, abuse, um, which wasn't very pleasant. So the retreat that I want is for women who not just to escape, I don't want a refuge. That's not what I want. What I want is a place where women can go once they've left that kind of ordeal and they're on the road to recovery. Mm-hmm. The place and the space I want to create for them because there's a lot of stuff that goes with domestic violence and, and I'm not qualified to even talk about the reasons why. Um, but I know what I do know is that if you don't deal with what attracted that in the first place, it repeats itself. So mm-hmm. I want to have the space I want to create for women. And it's, the place is going to be called Millie's Place. My mom's name is Millie. So that's the name of the place I'm going to have. But the, the idea is that they will go there to start that repair and that road to recovery. And they can come back once a year annually for the rest of their lives so i want there to be like mindset coaches to help with mindset um personal um growth uh coaches and even some pampering and yoga meditation that really kind of nice space where they can come and start to repair themselves to become the best version themselves so that they will no longer tolerate that type of behavior that is so beautiful. As a survivor of domestic abuse myself, I deeply, deeply appreciate that. And I will say, you know, we know that leaving is just uh, like step zero. You yeah. know, the real work then comes after that. Because like any addictive cycle, an abusive relationship is covering up some kind of pain that we are not facing and so as soon as we leave, guess what? We're by ourselves with our pain. And then you have to look at it and then you have to deal with it. Yeah. Yeah, it's challenging. And I think, um, you know, I don't know. I don't know. And I'm sure there's probably a lot of stuff that I need to unpack. But I think one of the reasons what, or the, why I took the path to go into policing was to try and help. So as a child, I felt really helpless. Um, So I I, I think, I don't know, and I'm sure I probably could do with talking to somebody myself, um, but I I think that's probably one of the reasons why I went down that path. And I have no doubt that seeing that behaviour has very much shaped the person I am today. And not all of it is good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean, just picturing little Jenny, you know, running to the the phone box to call the police, you know, it's like, that's who you reached out for to say, help, help. Mm -hmm. And so I imagine that that is a big part of why you decided to 
go into policing and why you do what you do now to help people not just to recover but to thrive yeah yeah 100 percent. i think yeah. i think I, I you know i'm i've been here a long time <laughs> i've been here a few years and um, <clears throat> and the and the things that we have now definitely weren't around back then um and i i i certainly certainly my early days of policing and even i you know i'm going back gosh i'm going back when I first started in policing, it's like 32 years ago. And so even 32 years ago, which doesn't seem, it sounds like a lot of numbers. I don't, it doesn't feel like a lot of numbers to me because I've, I've lived it. But even the changes that have happened since then are virtually unrecognisable. So the, the things that my mum had to, um, I guess, tolerate because women leaving wasn't the done thing yeah. um, there was nowhere for them to go um, women didn't have the level of independence the level of support the networks that they have now women didn't have that yeah. um, back then um, I I knew that my mom really wanted to leave but she didn't have anywhere to go and she had three children we were she had um, we were all under she had three kids under seven eight so um, where was she going to go? And there was, you know, the only option she was given was to go into a refuge. And she said, I don't want to take my children there. So then you kind of caught between a rock and a hard place. And, you know, for a long time, and this is another part of the story, for a long time, I was really angry with my mom. Um, I was angry with her because I couldn't understand why she didn't just leave. Mm-hmm. I, I, didn't, I didn't understand that. I didn't understand why she would allow herself to be treated that way. Um, and I always vowed that that was never going to happen to me. So, so you know, it, it was hard. It was hard because I, I you know, I saw her as weak, but I also know that my mom was now, I now know that I'm good. My mom was one of the strongest women I've ever, that I ever know, that I yeah. ever met. Um, and for her to have sacrificed I guess she sacrificed a lot and I'm really grateful for that even though I couldn't see it at the time um you know me and my I look at my brothers and I'm so proud of my mom because what she did and one of the things that that I know um and and through experience is that that cycle of men abusing women just keeps going and going until yeah. someone breaks the cycle. Um, you know, boys that grow up in with abusive dads, they go on to abuse because that's the reality that they know. Um, they, they think that's the way to get what they want. And, and that behavior just keeps going. And then they attract women who, who for whatever needs they have to try and fix these men. Um, and then the thing starts again. And I'm so proud of my two brothers um, who are three years and four years younger than me. And they have, um, they're in long-term relationships. My dad was a serial, um, didn't understand long-term relationships, didn't, mm-hmm. just didn't do that. Um, and my brothers are in long-term relationships that they're, you know, coming up for 20 years. They have two children both have two children with the same women my dad didn't do that my dad has eight there was eight of us with Mm -hmm. I I forget how many women 
Um, and my brothers haven't repeated that behavior. And, and I'm so proud of that. And I think that's down to my mom. Certainly wasn't down to my dad. He wasn't there. Um, certainly the values that she, despite what she was going through, that she tried to instill into us um, have some, uh, her legacy. Yeah. Do you, looking back, do you understand why she didn't just leave? Oh yeah, a hundred percent. I'm a grown up now. So, yeah. so I know um, that, well, first of all, I know, I, I understand that there are some, I think the number, don't quote me on this, but there's a horrendous statistic that women, by the time they reach out for help, there's been around 37 incidents that have taken place before they reach out for help. Um, And, and that's now that's, that's in the 20, you know, the 21st century. I'm talking about back in, in 1970s when this was happening to my mom, Um, where was she going to reach out for help? Nobody helped. Um, The, the domestic violence policies and, and stopping policing and within organizations now that are there to support women were not there back then. You know, m- women were almost seen, and I, I, oh, it, it just grieves me, women were almost seen as property. Mm-hmm. If, you were, if you were with a man, you were his property. So he could do pretty much what he wanted. And the, the, the wording was, it's a domestic. It's what happens between, you know, between a man and a wife, and a wife that's that's not for anybody else to get involved in um i'm so glad it's changed i'm so glad that we've evolved um that we that women now have the the support and but even even with all the support there are still women who just just you know, I, I don't know what it is but they just it takes time it takes that that time and like you say it's when they actually make that decision to go that's just day one that's yeah. the that's there's so there's so much space that they need to get to to heal and um and that's where my retreat is going to come in yeah yeah so when did the tide kind of turn in your family when did things start to change when my mom left so um i can remember the date and the day as if it was yesterday. So it was Friday, the 4th of January, 1974. Wow. When my mom took probably the beating of her life. Yeah. Um, my dad chased her from the house. She tried to get away and um, he chased her from the house. We were in, me and my brothers were in the house. Um, he chased her out of the house. Um, and then the next thing I remember is seeing an ambulance come in hearing the sirens coming and realizing it was coming for my mom. Um, so yeah, so she went, yeah. yeah, she went to hospital and she was there for a few days. Um, and then, yeah, she, she made the decision then that she, he was going to kill her. Yeah. Um, so she had to, you know, it was either, and, and she was worried about the kids. She, she was worried that if he couldn't get her, then he would turn on us. Um, to, and to be fair, my dad never did. He never did hit, hit any of us. Um, I certainly don't remember him doing that. He, he didn't seem to, he, he just didn't. But um, 
I think my mom's genuinely feared after that that if he couldn't get to her, it would be us. So that that was the turning point for, for her. Or that decided. if you tried to protect her, that yeah. you could get hurt. I mean, there's a, yeah. a lot of different things that can happen there. Absolutely. Yeah. So it, it sounds like that that rock bottom point was also the turning point for yeah. you because it was this breaking point where she decided that, that you know, that's all I can stand. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, I kind of think I, I, I also, it didn't stop there though, because we mm-hmm. had to stay in the house. So even though they were separated and would then would then live in separate lives within the house, mm-hmm. um, he would still come and show up and just hit her for fun. Um, so, so I, for me, in terms of my turning point, I remember age 10 um, saying that to my mom, <laughs> you know, out of the mouth of babes, um, that I was never going to get married, ever. Um, and I also remember when I was about 15, saying that I was never going to have children, because by the time I got to 15, my mom was struggling. She was struggling financially. She was on her own. My mom was older than my dad as well. So she was 13 years older than my dad. Um, so, you know, things were back again. I, you know, I'm just, I'm going back to the 80s. Things were tricky. You know, getting a mortgage by yourself was, mm. and she was older. So, that, you know, that wasn't really an option. So things started for us um, when my parents separated and, and eventually, you know, went their separate ways. Um, money was a real issue for my mom and I remember categorically saying that I would never have children unless I could afford to have them and give them what they needed um and I meant that I really really meant it until I met my husband and um it was uh you know and, and you kind of you know life these things happen in life and shape and form you as you go along that road um and and yeah, and you know, I've been married for 23 years now. And um, yeah, my husband has never raised a hand to me. <laughs> Good. <laughs> never. So what has blocked you from sharing this story before now? I think, oh, that's a great question. I think there's a lot of shame. Um, when my parents, both my parents are dead now. So my mother died in 2012. And my dad died in 2017. Um, and there's been, there was a lot of shame, a lot of embarrassment, a lot of, um, yeah, a, there was a lot of that, a lot of, and, and of, off the back of that, you know, we had no money. Um, so the, the kind of latter part of my childhood going into teenage years before I left home were, were, were tough, that it wasn't easy. Um, and, and I, and I kind of think that people look at me and think, and I probably wouldn't believe me, um, because they see where I am now. Um, but they, and they didn't know me then. Yeah. And I think I've also been very good at hiding it, um, because I was ashamed of, where I'd come from and I was also very frightened that those behaviors would show up in my own life and I and I didn't I wouldn't know how to deal with them so I didn't I didn't know 
Um, and so for a long time, I didn't get really involved in serious relationships because I didn't want to go down that road. Mm. So there's been a lot of stuff that has, um, yeah, that's kind of hung around for, for a while. <laughs> yeah. So you mentioned that this kind of drove you to go into policing and then also to create this retreat. Um, yes. how, how else did it change you growing up like that? So growing up, um, you know, I was very shy. Um, so it really affected my confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I was, I remember there would be, you know, a huge fight between mom and dad um, in the night and which would wake me up, but then I would have to go to school the next day yeah. and just pretend that nothing had happened. And, you know, you, who would you tell? Who, who, and, and then also there was the embarrassment that people might have seen the police come to the house. Yeah. So, um, you know, there was, so I, I was very shy. I kept myself to myself um, because then I didn't have to say anything and nobody would ask me anything. Um, so I, I, I was um, not a lonely child, but I did. I, I threw my energy into sport. I was very good at sport because I didn't have to talk to anybody. I, I could just be good at that. And that was kind of a detractor, I guess, from what was really happening. Yeah. So a distraction, but also, I would think, a way to channel some of that energy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I was used as a distractor, I think. I, I <laughs> Fair enough. When people were talking about how good I was at sport, they weren't asking me about home. So. Yeah. Yeah. So what about now? How do you think it, uh, how do you think it affects you now? Um, how do I think it affects me now? Uh, I, I think I'm very, I think affects is probably not quite the right, right word, but mm-hmm. it certainly, I am acutely aware, I guess, if, of of people's behaviors so i'm Mm -hmm. i'm very good at reading people yeah um very good i'm i am really good at that very good at reading people reading situations um i'm very good at keeping myself safe so um i you know as time went on i could kind of i could be at the door and at that telephone kiosk calling police before it escalated yeah um so so now i'm very i am very good at reading people reading good very good at um but i'm also in terms of you know i also even though my business is all about people i i know that i i'm still not deeply mistrustful of people but i keep people at arm's length it takes me a bit of time to suss people out as in not that i can't suss them out i they need to show me who they are um, because I don't always trust people. Yeah. Is. It's interesting. So uh, on, on a recent episode um, with uh, Arian Smith, we talked about uh, your superpowers and how trauma can often kind of um, not cause those superpowers because trauma doesn't cause superpowers. But what it does is it, it helps you realize that that, that potential was there. Mm. it's this opportunity to say, oh, I need this reserve. Oh, guess what? Here it is. And to learn that you have these things within you. 
And so I find that really common that when someone has gone through this kind of trauma as a child, they get this superpower of being able to read the room <laughs> and know when the energy just even a little bit, just a tiny thing. bit, mm-hmm. I, I can, I can pick that up. Very, yeah. Very, yeah. And I, and the thing is it's kept me safe in policing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I have, people have said to me, how did you, how did you talk your way out of that? Um, and it's because I, I went in and, and nipped it in the bud before it escalated. So, so, I, so yeah, I think I, you know, I, and if, even on, on the, um, when I was very young in policing and we still used to go out and do a lot of socialising, you know, I could walk into somewhere and know that this was not a good place to be yeah. and I could immediately turn around and leave. Um, and, you know, and, and sometimes it's not always great because, you know, some of my friends who weren't police officers could not, you know, but they would get like, well, this it feels great in here. And I'd be like, no, no, I, I need to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and sometimes I also wished I lived in, in, their, in their world where I didn't see this stuff or, yeah. you know, figure it out before everybody else did. But then I also trusted my gut 99% of the time to keep me safe. I didn't always yeah. use it to make the right decisions, but certainly keep me safe. I, I, could, I could pretty much do that. Yeah. It's a funny thing. So uh, you're just reminding me of something that happened recently. Next door, they, uh, they moved out. And so the house is up for sale. And there's all these people that come through to look at the house and things. And one day I was outside with my two girls. And then I saw this guy drive up and I just got this feeling immediately. There was something about the look on his face, something about the way he was driving. And I was like, girls get inside. And they were like, why? And I was like, just get inside. (laughs) Okay. We'll talk about it later. And the guy gets out, slams the door and he walks up and he's like banging on the door. And I'm like, I don't know what's going on over here, but like not good things, right? (laughs) Not good things. So I went inside, but I was like, it's just so funny how, you know, it was, he just drove up. Like he hadn't, done anything yet i just <laughs> do <laughs> and i think part of that is just intuition but i think it really people who have been in situations where there's a lot of volatile emotions and those mm. volatile emotions can be life-threatening mm. man do, are you attuned to those little yeah. temperature changes yeah so that's really interesting so the next question i have is who needs to hear it who needs to hear this? Yeah, story? you asked. That's a good question. You've asked me that. Um, who needs to hear it? I don't know. I think. Um, <laughs> I think. I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I you know, I, we, you know, we've all got a story to tell, and and you know, I love that quote where your survival story, you know, your story could be, become somebody's survival story. Yeah. And um, you know, so you must you must share it. You must tell it, but. I, you know, I, I guess, I, I don't know. I, I guess that's why I've never said it because it, it's, it, it brings up emotions that I don't necessarily like. Um, I don't necessarily yeah. like being vulnerable. Um, I don't necessarily like the fact that um, people know where I've come from and, and yeah. how challenging and difficult that was. So, um, but then in the same breath, um, you know, not that I would ever advocate this as somewhere to find strength, but I definitely feel that that 
circumstance and that journey um, gave me a lot of strength. Um, I definitely know what I like um, and what I won't tolerate. So there's, you know, it, it kind of, and I guess it shaped it very early. You know, some people don't quite recognize it for a little while. I knew from a very, very, very early age, um, what what it should look like, what I'd like my home life to look like. So it's um who needs to hear this? I think anybody who who I don't know. I don't know. I it's weird. I don't know. <laughs> I really I I don't know. Don't know. Who wants, That's who totally to fair. It? That's totally mm-hmm. fair. Um so the next question is what's the main message or takeaway? Um the main message and takeaway from I guess from this is that you know, it doesn't matter where you come from or where you started. I guess that's my my message. No matter where you come from, where you started, um, you are in charge of where you go. Um, You are the author of your own story. So whatever that beginning looked like, however uncomfortable that that beginning was, um, however traumatic it was, Every day we have the opportunity to write our own story. And if we don't like a particular chapter, we just write a new one. So, um, so yeah, so it doesn't matter. None of, you know, it, it's, the takeaway is it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to define you. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to define you. So that's the takeaway. That beginning... Great. My beginning was not great. I certainly, my children, I wouldn't want it for them. They didn't have that beginning. Um, but it, 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 I think everything happens for a reason. I, and, I, and, I, and I like that quote, but I don't always like the, the horrible stuff that comes with it. But I definitely, you know, would I have been the strong enough and the strong enough character to have gone into policing had I not got that backstory? Probably not. Probably not. Would I have had the understanding and empathy um, for victims and people who were suffering trauma had I not got that backstory? Probably not. Um, So everything does happen for a reason. Absolutely. And I'm the person I am today as a result of it all. So that's such a beautiful segue, but I do want to go back to something that you said in there because... I think you've answered the question of who needs to hear this. It's anyone who is struggling with the feeling like their past defines them. Okay. Right? Yeah. So your story is for anyone who's feeling like, oh, well, I came from this place and I had this trauma and, you know, that, that, that is who I am. And so your it's message not. is, no, it's not. It's not. It's, no, not. it's not. Absolutely Definitely not. Definitely so, not. The next part is the fun part. <laughs> and so you've segued <laughs> so beautifully into it. So I want you to close your eyes for a moment. Okay. Yes. I am waving a magic wand. Okay. And all okay. your dreams have now come true. Everything that you <gasps> desire so deeply, you have it. It is here oh. now. So I want you to look around your life and describe it for me. What do you see in this beautiful, ideal existence around you? Oh, a beach. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, let's start there. Let's start with a beach. Mm-hmm. Um, 
my perfect ideal life. My children are happy. Mm-hmm. You know, I have grandchildren. Um, I live in a, I want a, you know, a big house with lots of noise and joy and people having fun um, and not having to, you know, no concerns around money at mm-hmm. all. I can do, be and have what I want and help even more people to be, do and have. Um, and then obviously built beautifully is this fabulous retreat full of women who are on that journey to being the best version of themselves. Absolutely. So I want you to just really revel in that feeling for a moment. You're on this beach. Breathe in. You can breathe in that sea air. Smell that. Mm -hmm. You can hear the birds cawing. You hear the waves lapping. And just feel what that feels like to know that everyone you care about is taken care of. They are safe. They have everything they need. You just, you have so much abundance and you're creating so much meaning and really helping these people who need your help. And just feel that for a moment. Mm. Now, is there a piece of music that feels the way that feels to you? Um, it's usually the kind of, I like the music that used to meditation, like the waves and that yeah. type of sound. That's what that does. For beautiful. Yes. Beautiful. Yeah. So what I want you to do, um, I'm, I'm, we're going to go on with the exercise, but I just want to say, I want you to get that picture of the beach, whatever okay. that is, find that on the internet or wherever you can. Okay. And every day I want you to listen to some sounds of the waves or some music that really is relaxing and just look at that for a moment and feel that feeling again, just for like 15 seconds. Okay. I'll do that anyway. I bet you do. (laughs) I do that anyway. (laughs) Wonderful. Wonderful. It's so important to put that feeling into that. Yeah. But now we're going to go a step further because I know you're a planner and I know you like to have... A, a, a map and a path. Yeah. So okay. I want you, you're sitting here on your beach. I want you to think back into your memory from this place. What was the step that happened just before this? Were you building the retreat center? What was it that you were working on just before this beautiful moment here? Oh. Um... What had to happen so that you could have this beautiful moment on oh. the yeah, no. Do you want to tell you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. So, um, so my current my business that I'm building, growing mm-hmm. now, that needs to be producing all the finances, and then um, I, 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 I kind of want to collaborate with kind of four or five people to put this thing together. So it's, it's not just you know people with the same vision wanting to create the same thing and it may well be you know a, a therapist or so somebody who has yeah. that that big goal of wanting to to create this space um and then invest in it so yeah that's beautiful 
Yeah. So I imagine you are very proactive. So you're probably already searching for those collaborators. I am. Yes. Good. 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 <laughs> definitely. Definitely. Always looking. But yes. Beautiful. So let's just put that out into the universe. We're going to do a little, what I call a, a gratitude in advance prayer. Okay. <laughs> Which is, we're just going to say, thank you. Thank you, universe, God, whatever we call you. Thank you so much for these collaborators who are going to hear this and who are going to come to Jenny and say, I want to work with you. Thank you so much for that. That is going to bring so much goodness into the world. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Is there anything else you want the audience to know before you tell them how to find you? Um, anything else I want them to know? What, about me or what I do or anything? anything you want them to know. Okay, so um, I, I run a business. So my business is all about nutrition and mm-hmm. all about feeling the best way you could possibly feel every single day. So as a breast cancer survivor, it was really important to me that nutrition um, to feed my body. My treatment was horrendous. It was awful. It was aggressive, um, but it it needs to be that way for me to survive and come out the other end. And to thrive, I had to flood my body with amazing nutrition so that's what I do now and part of that is so I have two parts of my business I have happy happy customers who are quite happy taking the products I also have people who take the products and and decide they want to share it and build and grow a business just like me so that's what I'm looking for right now so if you think or you are looking for something where you want to just make a difference not only to your life and your family's life, but you want to build a financial wall, a security blanket around your family, particularly in these awful times, then I'm looking for motivated, enthusiastic, ambitious women who would love to partner partner with me. And I love to partner with them. They don't need to have any skills. They just need to be ambitious and have a can-do attitude. So if that's you and you just want to, you know... You can, you can build whatever finances you want, but you've got to be prepared to work for it. It is not a get-rich-quick scheme. It's not anything like that. It is a real business with real skill. You know, we'll, we'll teach you everything you need to know. So, yeah, that's it. I'm looking for you because I know you're looking for me. <laughs> Fantastic. So where can they find you? They can find me on Facebook. So <laughs> if you type in Jenny Harris, so J-E-N-N-I, Harris, um, you can find me. Uh, my profile is public, so you'll be able to find me. Send me a message and uh, tell me where you where you saw me. That'd be great. Or I'm on LinkedIn. Um, but I, what I will do is I will send you my link tree um, uh, mm-hmm. link. Uh, you can email me. It's Jenny at JennyHarris.com uh, on my website, which is JennyHarris.com. Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. It's been an absolute joy and pleasure. I'm not sure that 
all of it was joy because I was sharing <laughs> yeah. completely vulnerable. Um, but it's nice. It's nice because sometimes there might, I'm sure there's been some cellular healing that's just happened there. I really believe, you know, I think everything's relative, right? So you cannot have joy without pain. That's, it's not possible. And so (laughs) part of why I do this is to bring people through that and then up out of it again to show, hey, it's okay to have that pain. That pain is part of who you are, but you don't have to sit in it. You don't have to stay. No, No. I don't sit and stink in it and wallow in it. I don't do that, but Mm -hmm. it's, it's, yeah, but it's really important to to understand that where you come from doesn't mean you have to stay there and i see so much of that i see so much of that in policing in society but people have had an awful start it's been awful it couldn't have been any worse but unfortunately they just stay in that space because they don't believe that they but they don't have this you know they don't feel they have the skills or the or the network or support to move out of that space and you have to have courage to pick yourself up dust yourself down and decide that actually no that space is not where I want to be I want to be over there in that fabulous space absolutely yeah I think a lot of people are waiting for permission they're yeah. waiting for someone to tell them, no, it's okay to get, let go of that limiting belief. It's okay to let go of that past. You know, you're, you're, you're invited to, you know, the rest of society now. And I think you, you got to get out of that waiting space and just give yourself yeah. permission. Say it's time. But some people just don't have the tools. And if you're, yeah. if you're not around people that can help you think that way, I think sometimes it's really hard because Mm -hmm. that is your reality. And if everybody around you is the same, then it's, it's almost feels like, you know, you know, that, that story they talk about, you put a load of frogs in a bucket and, and the ones trying to get out and the rest are pulling them back in. And that can be the case for, um, a lot of people, you know, I see it with criminal families where, you know, the, the children grow up, the, you know, the parents are criminals, the generations of, of criminals. And, you know, the, it doesn't necessarily mean that that young person wants to be in it. They just don't know anybody else because the whole network is the same. And they don't, where do they go? You know, yeah. where do they find those people that are going to help them to escape that, that, that family? And, and, and they don't want to be on their own. They don't want to be ostracized. So it just, they just get, and just stay there and stay there and it's just not cool yeah and like you say not only do they not know anyone else they don't know anything else they don't have anything to compare this to and it's really hard to envision something that you just have no model for yeah yeah absolutely well and i think that's why it's really important for us to mentor people and for people who you know need need a little boost out of the situation that they're in. Absolutely. Domestic violence is no different. You know, for some yeah. women, if that's what they've seen, if that's what they've grown up with, they think that that's normal behavior. Um, and it's not until somebody says, or they, they around people who are like, well, no, that doesn't happen in my house. That's not normal for me. That's not the, no, that's not normal until they hear that enough and see, and even, you know, domestic violence is not exclusive to, any demographic of people it goes across 
the whole spectrum of people and women and men included. Um, and it's not until sometimes you say they need that permission or courage or whatever, whatever that thing is yeah. to think, okay, I need to, this, this is not going to work. I've got to go. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, we need definitely need to mentor definitely need support definitely need to be fill ourselves up so much that we're overflowing and we can help so many more people absolutely i'll shut up now <laughs> <laughs> well then so will i all right thanks for listening everyone <laughs> take care everyone thanks for bye Thank you so much for being here to receive the gift of that story. If you found this episode worthwhile, please pass it on by sharing the link as well as rating, reviewing, and subscribing to the That's Allowed podcast. It costs you nothing and it makes a huge difference. And speaking of things that cost you nothing and make a huge difference, please stop by my website, thatsallowed.com, to get your free guided ideal scene meditation and to set up your free discovery call today. It would be my honor to help you release your masterpiece to the waiting world.